I got yeah, man. I got nothing. What can I say? Are you gonna give us a little uh, JMU fight song tonight? <laughs> no, I think that um, if we really want to continue to grow this thing, we probably shouldn't scare folks off with uh, me trying to sing a fight song. Although, I mean, I can obviously hold a pr- pretty decent tune. I could whistle it. I could hum it. Your favorite? You can croon. You can croon a good number. <laughs> As long as it's not the Andy Griffith theme. I'll never forget sitting at McDonald's watching you type up something after one of the commitments at Bayside. You just sit there the entire time. I just met you, but here's my number. <laughs> so call me maybe. I wasn't gonna. I was gonna cut the intro, but that's just too good. I have to. I have to out myself now. I have to. I have to throw that in there. You did it. It was a. It was a specific time in in, in the world. What can I say? CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 6th. Cavaliers coming off of a pretty um, disheartening, I guess you could call it, 49-13 loss to open the season out in Nashville against number 12, Tennessee. I don't think that the result itself is necessarily as disheartening as the injury situation and sort of like how it all came to be. Um the, I think this is basically the, I mean, I didn't like average out the scores we predicted, but I'm pretty sure this is right around what we kind of thought it would be. Um, though I don't think any of us had UVA, um, you know, losing its quarterback um, before the end of the game, which we will no doubt be discussing here in a few as we get you ready for Saturday uh, afternoon's um, home opener against James Madison. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody first. In Fishersville, Fishersville, not to be confused with whatever I just said, um, board moderator du jour himself, David Spence, is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Uh, going well. You know, it is the first week, you know, the, the, the week of the first home game. You know, always the most exciting time of the year. Um, who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And in Charlottesville, uh, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on this year program. How's it going, my dude? Apparently, Dave doesn't have the internet because the excitement has not translated to the rest of the fan base, it appears. <laughs> um, except it seems like there is going to be a nice crowd on Saturday, which is nice. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, so let's I, I, before we really get into the, um, the nuts and bolts of everything, I thought maybe for this season we do something a little bit different um, in terms of like how we sort of review the game um, and talk a little bit about it. Um, I thought we might do a little good, bad, and the ugly. Um, start off with some positivity uh, to get things going. Um, and I'd like us to sort of kind of go around um, a couple times and, and share some things maybe. First off, we'll share some things that we, we liked, some things that um, stood out to us, some positives, and then we'll get into what you know was not so great, and then we'll get into what really is bad. And that's that, – spoiler alert, that's where we're going to park the – 
injury situation that's facing Virginia as it gets ready for JMU on Saturday. Um, I'll go first in, in positivity corner, so to speak. Um, I really thought that there were, um, I think that there were a lot of folks around the program who clearly put a lot of effort into making it look and feel different than last year. Now, you can quibble with play calls. You can quibble with some personnel stuff, whatever. But I just thought the operation looked like it matured. Uh, I thought offensively it looked like they were, uh, you know, um, I mean, they clearly were overmatched in the trenches. Um, although they did kind of get a little something going on the left side of the line uh, at one point. Um, but overall, I just thought that, that that was a good positive step in the right direction, which is like it looked markedly different than last year in the sense that I thought last year offensively everything – looked like a, a little bit of a cluster um, at times. Uh, very rarely was it smooth sailing, even when things were bad, you know, Saturday. You could still see that there was some cohesion. Um, I, I thought that was a, a, a good thing to see. Uh, let's see. Dave, let's go to you next. Give me give me a positive. Give me something that stood out to you in, in a good way um, in that loss on Saturday. I mean, this is a simple thing, but I know we talked about it in our text thread. Um, body language especially yeah. offensively. I didn't see frustration from the receivers, the quarterback. Um, and, you know, defensively, we didn't see that a lot last year, but offensively we did. And I just thought it was nice. Even when things weren't going well, they seemed to be like encouraging each other and listening and, and not getting frustrated. Um, and I know that's a little thing, but, you know, when you were watching that team last year struggle and then you're seeing the body language, it just, it wasn't a good look. Um, so, that reason alone, I was encouraged. And I was, I think I said that like what drive two or something in the game yeah, it was early. <laughs> like, yeah. You know? Um, and it kept on, even when things got ugly, like there's the positivity was still there. Obviously they have a little bit, you know, different motivation for this season than they did last. And, you know, a year to kind of get uh, quote unquote coaches guys in there. But, um, that was a step in the right direction for me. Cause you know, when, when you're a team that I think that's going to, uh, to have to, you know, learn the offense as the season goes and hope the player, you know, your quarterbacks kind of get the experience they need to be good by, you know, the, the meat of your schedule, um, little things like buy-in from everyone out there is important. Yeah. I mean, and listen, I, I know if you're listening, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you think, man, that's really a blow. Like this just really, I think encapsulates just how rough things were offensively last year. And, 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 and if you extrapolated that out, like what that said about the team and about the program in general, right? Like it's so weird because, and Ferber's kind of, um, kind of harped on this a little bit that Rudd never, I mean, excuse me, Elliot never gets any credit for Rudd and the defense, right? Cause we always think of Tony as an, as an offensive coach, you know, and there's just sort of just knee jerk sort of, um, I don't know, almost like instinctual reaction to that kind of dynamic where you just sort of assume that like, oh yeah, he just handed the keys over to somebody else to run the defense and he's like completely uninvolved. Now, to some extent, maybe he's not as involved as he may be in the offense. A lot of different coaches do it different ways, but he still gets credit, right? The program still gets credit for what Rudd and, and the defense did last year. We can't, we can't like ignore that, right? But to that point, like the first two things we've talked about here on Positivity Corner are... Um, they didn't, they didn't look all out of sorts and guys seemed like they were actually sort of, you know, enjoying themselves, so to speak. Right. They, they, they look like they were in the moment as opposed to the body language we saw last year. It really illustrates just how, 
how rough of a go it was for most of last season. Ferber, give me give me a positive from from your point of view. What what did you see? Yeah, I mean, kind of to echo what you said, um, I would say on offense, just the procedural, you know, nature of how they went about their business was good. Um now that didn't translate to success, right? I mean, late in the game they found some, but you know, earlier in the game when the game was more competitive, they struggled to move the ball or really get anything going. But the issues that they had were not people not knowing where to be, that kind of thing. It was people getting beat against a really good Tennessee team. Uh, I mean, that's going to happen to a lot of teams that play Tennessee. You know, and I went back to last year's results for them just to kind of look at how lopsided some of their games were. I mean, I went to one, I saw them lose or beat LSU like 45 to 13 or something. So, um, an LSU team that I think won like 10 games. Uh, so, I mean, like I, that's, that's something I can live with better than like, you know, not getting a play in on time or like having procedural penalties or, you know, critical drops and things like that. The, the issues they had were just one-on-one matchups, but like, you know, they played pretty clean. I mean, the offense had one penalty for five yards and no turnovers, um, you know, you're not always going to have no turnovers, but I think if they can play like cleaner than last year, that's a big step in the right direction. Yeah. That was going to be my next positive actually was, was the number two and the number zero, two, two penalties on the day for 10 yards and no turnovers. And I mean, listen again, this sounds like small potatoes, but you gotta, you gotta kind of crawl before you can walk. And I think that in some ways, the fact that they, they were able to, you know, against this opponent, put out what they did tells you a little bit about sort of, yeah, they got some work to do. They got some serious, you know, some injuries, you know, which we're going to talk about here shortly um, that certainly make things a lot harder, but in general, you know, it seems like this is, this is, I guess the sort of improvements that you would be expecting to see year one to year two. Um, I feel like on some level, like you, you did, I hope people didn't go into this thinking like, oh yeah, they're going to, you know, they're going to beat Tennessee and cruise. You know what I'm saying? Like this was always going to be the kind of result it was going to be. The, how it came to happen was always the question. And for them to, to kind of come out of that game, um, and you know, for lack of a description, play it relatively clean, I think is a, um, it's a pretty, that's a pretty sizable, uh, um, piece of positivity corner right because you can build on that you know it shows habits it uh, it it speaks to you know a discipline a a uh, um homogenization you know cohesion it speaks to all that kind of stuff and that's what you need right and let's be real as we talked about last week and certainly we've talked about um amongst us like everything from here on out <laughs> is going to be worse you know comparatively right for in terms of the opponents they play they're not going to play a team with that much talent they're not going to you know carolina is probably the one that gets closest to maybe maybe if you really get out to it miami does but like th- no they're not going to play a team that is going to be able to out um you know out athlete out talent them at every position the way tennessee was um and i, I mean look since ferber mentioned the turnovers maybe my my positivity piece is like look there was a little bit of period of time and then that game you're like man they're actually kind of in this um which was not necessarily something i was expecting to see i really thought tennessee would probably jump out on them virginia would chip away at it tennessee would pull away a little bit score would end up being you know roughly what it was maybe virginia scores a few more points um but that the you know the outcome was never in doubt now i'm not crazy i don't think that necessarily the outcome was in doubt here but it was much closer uh, at a later part of the game, so to speak, right, than I expected it to be. 
Um, and if you're not going to pull off an upset, you're not going to shock the world and all that fun stuff. Um, you know, being in the fight is a, is a really nice, um, place to be. And that's, again, I understand some of this stuff might seem pretty basic, but you got to, again, you got to crawl before you can walk and walk before you can run. And I think for a team that is coming off of a, a season like last year, considering all the issues that they had throughout the various, uh, pieces of the operation, you know, that's a, that's a, another, you know, again, good step in the right direction. All right, Dave, give me a give me one more positive. Dave's got nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, positive is I forgot I was muted and uh yeah, went on for a little while. Um look, I sorry about that, uh, listening audience. Um the uh I was going defensively, I just I liked what I saw. Um yeah. from from the defensive line. Um there's some stuff they got to work out on the back end and at the linebacker spot. But I like the depth of the defensive line. In the second half, they got some guys in who I didn't expect to see a lot of playing time. Uh, Bryce Carter was in there for a bit. Jason Hammond was in there for a bit. Um, and even without Chico and obviously Sue with the terrible injury, um, you know, I think that's a defensive line that c- can be a strength for the season, especially if they stay rest of them stay healthy. Um, you get Chico back. You know, I, I liked them going into the season. I saw nothing against a very good offensive line uh, that will deter me from thinking they can you know, they can wreck some games against lesser opponents. Um, and the defense is going to have to rely on them to kind of get pressure without you know, without without forcing uh, Rudd to call a lot of exotic blitzes. Uh, try to help that secondary out until they kind of figure out how to work together. But um, yeah, you can. I know those are two simple things, right? The defensive line play and and just the attitude on offense. But look, Virginia's not going to be a juggernaut this year, uh, spoiler alert. And little things like that against an opponent, that much better than you are. Um, to me, we're a positive. Like, you know, I think we we're all pretty positive with, with what, three or four minutes ago in the first half. You know, it's just the next 15 minutes of that game kind of blew it open. But, yeah, um, yeah. if, if you want to be in the negative Nancy, there's certainly a lot there, but – yeah, you know, the way you're kind of having to talk about it, there certainly was some positivity, and we were all kind of feeling it. Um, shoot, even when Virginia had the decision whether to go for it on fourth down there late in the first half, mm-hmm. you know, it felt like if they made the right decision, um, they're right in that game at halftime, which is I think all of us, all of us, would have been happy with that, just because I mean we had to didn't have to go tell our friends that we weren't watching with what the score was at halftime, um, you, you know, if it was thirty to nothing or something, but. Yeah, the defensive line continued to not only do good against you know they I don't they didn't get a sack but like it's going to be hard to get a sack against that team. Yeah, um, agreed. Especially running the ball like they were, but yeah, I think they kind of buckled down and and did their part. You know, they're going to get gashed against a team like Tennessee with running what eighty something plays, mm-hmm. um, but they did enough. Uh, Fifteen drives on the day, average starting field position, their own thirty five yard line. Um, they actually had a high, which I thought we'll this get was to a, why that's a problem in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, we'll, we yeah, for sure. Um, but the one number, the one number for that jumped out to me when I was looking through stuff was that UVA actually had an, a better average yard per completion than Tennessee, which I, I'm not saying like, you know, Hey, everybody, they're going to score a hundred a game. Like I'm not, but like, I just thought that was curious, right? That UVA was at 9.6 Tennessee's at 9.2. Um, Give me your last positive before we move over to the bad. Yeah, I mean, this isn't it, but Tennessee only had three passing plays of 
15 plus yards, um, which is nice. I mean, and two of those were 16 and one, I mean, like in fairness, Milton missed like a bomb that would have been a touchdown if he caught it. Um, but that's, that happens in every game pretty much. Um, a last positive, uh, you know, like the stats aren't, it's not going to show up in the stats. Um, but I do kind of like how Tony Musket looked, um, you know, Dave mentioned the body language piece. Uh, I also thought he looked like a guy that knew the offense, knew where he was supposed to go with the ball. And despite like a low number of completions, which I think was partially or, you know, incredibly out of his hands in a lot of cases, literally because the ball was snapped to the ground. Um, I think like, you know, he, he put the ball where it was supposed to be almost every single time. Um, You know, you look at the, if you go back and watch it, I mean, there were a lot of incomplete passes where he put the ball in a position where somebody could catch it against single coverage and either the Tennessee guy made a play or, you know, the ball was just a little off of where it needed to be or whatever. But ultimately he did make a few really nice throws, including some completions. Um, They had a few chunk plays in the passing game and, you know, you hope that he's healthy enough um, at some point to get back, but uh, he didn't, I certainly didn't see anything from him that made me think like, oh man, this guy's out of his depth, even though he didn't have like a huge day. Yeah. Hell, I, I came out of it thinking like, I mean, yes, you know, that's, I think that's, I mean, we'll move to the bad because it's, I, I'm going to start with um, the musket injury. Look, to, to Ferber's point there, I thought the kid looked, he did not look like a dude who was playing his first, you know, real game um, against, you know, power five competition. Right. Like to me, he looked like a guy who belonged. And, you know, he again, he didn't set the world on fire. His numbers were not, you know, huge. He's not a 17 on the day for 94 yards. Um, QB rating 99.4. Um, um, but listen, like on some level, again, you, you got to be mindful of these these pieces. Um, his 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 not just his body language, but sort of the way he went about his business. He looked like a guy who belonged. Like he looked like he was in control of things. He looked comfortable, um, which considering, you know, UVA's, you know, real issues on the offensive front against Tennessee's um, pass rush, you know, I, I mean, it's kind of remarkable if you think about it, that he was as um, collected as he was, um, which makes the injury all the worse because I mean, I definitely had gotten to the point. Where I was like, okay, they're clearly going to lose this game. And that's fine. This team is just better. But I felt like this guy has enough that he can put together, right? And he, clearly he has a feel for the offense. I mean, there was a little bit of a time there where he he kind of got to he got cooking a little bit. And I thought, hey, look, this really is a nice sort of precursor, right, to what it can look like. Um, Ferber's point is well taken. Like, I thought he did a nice job of putting the ball where it needed to be, which, again, makes the injury all the tougher to stomach. So the official word is day-to-day. Um, with a shoulder injury, um, you know, if you talk to folks and such and such, sounds like it could be, uh, I guess the expectation, let's just say like this, the expectation in talking to people is that it's two to three weeks um, kind of thing. But this is a pain tolerance kind of deal, right? This is one of those things like, you know, can a guy go a little earlier, a little later? Like this is always about how fast somebody heals, that kind of thing. Um the fact that he's day to day and they're talking about him even in the conversation to play Saturday, which, you know, I'll go ahead and stay on the record. I do not expect him to play Saturday. Um, or necessarily the, believe that. 
version, but that's what they have to do. Yeah, right. <laughs> they have to they have to try to make it seem like it might play, even if right. it's not going. To. But but even the fact that they're not, you know, hey, whatever tells you there's nothing like structurally wrong. There's no, um, you know, no breaks, no fractures, that kind of stuff, right? So what that tells me is that he's he's closer to playing than we initially thought when we saw the injury, because I think all of us. Um, I think Dave was the most, of the three of us. Dave was the most vocal about like, oh yeah, he's done. He's gone for a long time. Um, I think he'll be back soon. I just don't think it's going to be as soon as this weekend, and probably not next weekend either. But at the same time, again, guys heal at different paces. You know, it all depends on a, a lot of things that are outside of everybody's control, uh, and and a lot of it is pain tolerance. Right? Is his non throwing shoulder? Um, you know, he's got to be able to do a certain amount of. You know, he's got to have some range of motion, flexibility, and such in it. Um, and he's got to be able to take hits on it, but ultimately, um, you know, we got to got to wait and see uh, how quickly he can come back. But I think for if this was the news, Dave, right? Like you had to be, um, you know, given the way it looked when he went down, especially the way he was kind of holding his arm. Uh, it did not. I, I didn't at that point. I sure as heck didn't feel like we were going to be talking about, you know, he could be in the conversation to play on Saturday, right? Um, give me, give me one of your one of your bads. And, and if, if we, we, we don't have to um, all find our owns if we want to, um, you know, we don't have to all find our own like version of it or whatever. But if you want to um, piggyback off of something somebody else said, you can feel free. Cause I mean, I feel like talking about Musket's injury is um, I feel like that's a pretty substantial one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, there was some bad, that's the worst, right? Cause I mean, I think we all said the most important thing other than, you know, just showing up and being competitive was to come out healthy and that didn't happen. Um, in a big way. And the, uh, I mean, I don't know if I could single out a single, but I mean, there's a little, there was a lot of bad, um, like the offensive line, someone, I'm sure one of you have mentioned it, but I'm going to go with special teams because like, I didn't expect the offensive line to come out against Tennessee and be great. Um, and they weren't especially, you know, center to the right side, um, had some issues during the game. Um, obviously that's comp, you know, that's not helped by, having SEC defensive linemen across the way who are mm-hmm. <laughs> fully geared up and haven't only played 50 plays to your 80 something. Um, but the uh, special teams just, this is not, this team's not going to be good enough, you know, to, to beat teams like Tennessee, but if this team's going to win games, it's going to be by not shooting themselves in the foot and against the opponents with similar talent. Yeah. And we saw it last year and we saw it again. They, they had, Four big returns in that game. The opening kickoff wasn't deep. Took him back up to the forty something. Yeah, three punt returns. It was a thirty-five yard 30. return. Yeah. yeah, and then three punt returns for a thirty-one yard average. Um, and a, a short missed field goal. And to be honest, none of Betridge's made field goals. No offense to Betridge, and none of them looked spectacular. They were all low and just didn't sound right. So, yeah. And I think the only positive they had on special teams was. I believe Ganyard's second kickoff was a touchback. Um, and, you know, Sparks punted the ball well. Um, and they had the fumble recovery, well. but... Yeah, the fumble I mean, recovery. That but, was more of Tennessee putting the ball in the ground. Yeah, but overall special teams, like when you know, Virginia... They, they just put Virginia in a place to have a shorter field to defend, and, and they can't do that. Um, that's not the formula for this team to win. It's better for this offense, you know. It'd be better if this offense was going to sputter for the special teams <laughs> three and out and good coverage was better than what we saw Saturday. Um, yeah, that's a good point. 
So I feel yeah, like that, that was my biggest negative. D. Williams has 125 yards of all-purpose um, yardage, right? To put that in context, that's the most anybody had all day, right? All because of those four returns. He had 91 yards in punt returns and the 34 yards on the kick return. Um, dude should not be averaging 30 yards on their kick on their punt returns and 34 yards on their kick returns. Like that's just not that's not sustainable. And you know, I I, I almost would put this in the ugly because I feel like this is a self-inflicted sort of wound, right? Which is to your point, like even if you just did three three and out and good field position. Like that would be a dramatic step in the right direction. Again, this was Tennessee. Tennessee's much better. Like you weren't gonna just because you were, you know, better in special teams, you weren't gonna win this game. Like, right? You were gonna have to do a lot more than just that. That being said, there are teams on this schedule where Virginia's talent level, if it, you know, if the Cavaliers execute it anything resembling a um, consistent basis, like. These are plays that can make the difference. And this is a problem that the Cavaliers have to clean up. There's just no way around it. Like, you just cannot give up the type of return yardage and lose that field position um, the way UVA did on Saturday and think that you're going to win. Um, Ferber, give me one of your um, one of your bads. Yeah, this one's going to be kind of hard to explain, maybe, because it's kind of a multifaceted thing. Um, and this is more of an issue for me going forward than – it was on Saturday, but you know, we talked a lot about in when Bronco was here about uh havoc plays and trying to create game changing plays. Um I didn't see really any of that on Saturday, um, except for the fourth and one stop that they made, which was a big play, obviously. Um, you know, like they didn't turn the ball over, but they really didn't create any. Um they didn't have a single tackle for loss or sack. Um, they didn't really put the pedal down on offense at any time. Tony is, you know, and and maybe this philosophy will change. Maybe it just is. Um, he seems super conservative so far since he's been here. I mean, you think about some fourth and short decisions he's made and like, you know, quick kicks with the quarterback and stuff like that at the edge of field goal range at the edge of, you know, another team's territory or something like that. And I don't think necessarily that this was the right game to go all out and pull out all the stops and go for it and run fakes and do all kinds of stuff or gamble on defense. Um, but I don't think that that sort of approach is going to yield a lot of success going forward. Um, this team's margin for error is so small that I don't think that they can afford to just be like, well, let's just see which team can play cleaner and, you know, like expect that they're not going to make mistakes of their own, especially if you're trotting out a freshman quarterback. Um, you're going to need to find a way to create more negative plays on defense. Um, you're going to need to find a way to um, create bigger plays on offense, something that they didn't even really try too much on Saturday. And a lot of that's probably just a function of blocking, but, and you're to be frank, you're going to have to go for it on fourth down more. Like, I, I just think that's, that's just how I feel about it with this team. And, you know, you let the chips fall where they may in terms of, converting those but you know you're down 14 nothing to tennessee and like what was it like fourth and four or something like that at you know after your kicker just missed a really short field goal and i get the the idea of like hey maybe we get the kicker some confidence after he missed the first one i i understand that but like 14 three isn't gonna do it and that's what we saw i mean tennessee took the ball right back down and scored again um if you convert that fourth down you know it may be 
you're looking at a situation where Tennessee doesn't get the ball back before halftime. Um, and it's 14, three or 14, seven or 14, nothing or something. Um, still better than 21 to three. Right. Yeah. And just like, I mean, you know, that you giving the ball t- to Tennessee back with 140 left is not probably going to yield the best results, especially after they had just marched down and scored on the previous drive. Um, so, I mean, like, and that's, again, I'm not going to like th- that game's in the past and, and I don't think you're going to play a lot of games like that. But I do think going forward, they're going to have to find a way to create more negative plays on defense and create more positive plays on offense and aggressive plays on offense. Um, especially like, you know, Dave just mentioned all the special teams issues, like 40 yard field goals aren't a given, you know, like maybe on fourth and two at the 23, you're better off going for it every once in a while. Yeah, I, I think I, w- I want to pull on this thread a little bit because this also was on my list. Um I didn't like the red zone stuff. I, I thought that Virginia was way too um, too willing to sort of let Tennessee sort of set the tone. And I understand on some level that talent sort of does that, right? But I, I to your point, like I, I'm not saying they needed to, you know, the annexation of Puerto Rico or whatever, right? Like I'm not saying you had to call some super, you know, extravagant trick play or whatever. But I just thought that there were there were moments when there a, a little bit more aggression would have been a good thing. And just like we're talking about like body language, we're talking about sort of the the way that guys just sort of look running the system, the way we, you know, we we talked about like Musket and how he looked before his injury. Like these things all sort of give you a blueprint or at least give you a, a feel, right, for what you might expect as you sort of go forward, right? As the rest of the season plays out. And I don't like not seeing an offense, especially in this situation. You know that that I'm not saying you had to throw everything at the wall, but I like I would have liked to seen a little something go toward the wall, right? Like I would have liked to have seen you take a, a shot, and I just thought that in in a couple of instances the red zone stuff just really bugged me. Now that's to to Ferber's point about Elliot. You know, a lot of that can come down to you know being conservative and um, that kind of stuff. And I and I understand that there are going to be situations like that, right, where those those things make sense. But I, I just felt like you know, there were a couple of instances early in that game where the score it hadn't gotten out of hand. Um, what were you tr- like? What was the what were you trying to avoid versus what we you know what you potentially could gain? Um, you know, is it really that big a deal if you don't get three? You know what I'm saying? Like you know, you needed you needed as many points as you could get, and you got to take those shots when you can. And so for them to you know try a field goal for a drive that um, you know ends on the 11, another drive that you know again a field goal. Uh, attempt at the 13 like there I, I get it but at the same time like uh, it's just it's hard for me to process especially given this like this should be the one where you're playing like like free right like you're you you get those opportunities you take those shots um, what do you have to lose exactly you, you 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 should be happy to get them and happy to take them this should not be a grind uh in that situation making those decisions to to be that aggressive so that's that's definitely on my list too like um and it honestly for me it's the one thing that borders on um going from the 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 bad to the ugly because again when you start thinking about the way the season's going to go um regardless of injury stat whatever like on some level like you're gonna have to go out there and win games you're, you're not gonna just win this team is not gonna win games simply by just like kind of doing the routine thing and yeah. playing clean you know what I mean? They're gonna have. They to can't make just plays. play like a C plus game and be like, "That's gonna be good." Enough. Exactly. This, yeah, you're not. You're not just waiting for the other player to hit the ball into the net. Like you gotta be out. You gotta go out there and make some plays and win the thing. 
Um, yeah. And so for me, that's where it kind of it, it flirted with that line between that bad and the ugly simply because, look, there were other times during the game where I thought Dez did a really nice job. Like I thought like Musket got in that groove and I really liked those those play calls. I saw the adjustments. Right. Like you could see some of the things that were they were building on. I just wish I could also see that in the red zone. And I just felt like maybe that was a little bit um, it was a little bit off from the jump. Uh, and I liked it would have liked to have seen it a little cleaner. Um, do you guys want to go one more round of the bat or we want to jump straight to the ugly? No, I just, I want to make one point on that. I mean, I see what you guys are saying about the aggression. I'm going to defend this coaching staff a little bit. Um, I don't know how you can be Is that aggressive. Allowed? Def- yeah. I mean, I figure <laughs> we should do it once. Um, um, I don't know how you can be more aggressive defensively against Tennessee. Like you got two seconds to call a play and you got two middle linebackers calling defense and trying to get guys lined up. Yeah. And I'm not so guys. worried about I that. They just need to create either. more. They just yeah, need to yeah. create more havoc plays going forward. Yeah, no, and that you know, it, it's hard for the corners to be tight enough on the wide receivers to to make a play on the ball when they're having help in the run game because Tennessee doesn't mind running it down your throat either. Um, offensively, like, I, mean, I think this goes back to something we talked about after Elliot got hired. Like this offense itself, there's not a lot of trick in this offense, right? Um, it, it's kind of a Jimmy's and Joe's offense. You, you're not trying to fool people with line, with motion or, or you know lineups. You just kind of line up where you do, and you run plays based on what the defense gives you. Um, and you know it's mo- it's at its best when you've got a quarterback who's kind of an expert at the RPO game part of it. Um, so I, I don't know how they can be kind of like when when you guys were talking about. It, I'm thinking. Like, you know, what, what Virginia needs to do in a situation like that is be like Boise State when they were making their rise, right? Like, do stuff that blew your mind. But they they just don't in this offense. And that's it's always been my concern with it. Um, if it's what they believe in, then they got to get better in Jimmy and Joe, better Jimmy and Joe so they've got more time in yeah. the pocket and all this other stuff. But I think it, the big thing is... It's always been my concern with this kind of offense at a school like UVA. I think the big thing, too, is staying ahead of the chains. Like, I mean, if you can get into third and fours, you can convert those running your normal stuff. When you get into third and tens, it's going to be hard. And, you know, I like some of the playmakers UVA has. I don't know that they have enough dynamism on the edge to be like, we're going to, like, pull out third and twelves. Like, who's – unless you're just like, well, I guess Malachi is just going to win a 50-50 ball every time. And you can see that they tried that. Um, I actually kind of like the second play of the game. They were like, well, it's second and 10. Let's just see if he can go up and get it. And I thought that ball was actually pretty well placed. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and we'll be, I'll be interesting to see, like, you know, mentioned the RPO thing with Calandria cause he looked pretty comfortable with that when he had a couple chances later in the game, obviously backups. Um, but you know, musket, I think he had, and, and Tony mentioned this in his press conference, he had one where he on like, I think it was like third down. He kept it when he probably shouldn't have. Um, but again, like, I think a play caller is only as good as the blocking. <laughs> like, I mean, you saw that you know, on Saturday, I think they just didn't have the time to get much going yeah. to put this in context real quick. UV had 18 third down attempts, five conversions for a percentage of 27.8 average third down distance to go was 8.1. They were O of seven on third and long, which is described as nine, nine yards or more. They were one, excuse me, three for four on third and short, which is anything from, um, one to four yards, and then they were zero for zero on third and goals. Now, I, I mentioned that specifically because, like, man, it would be really nice to get to a third and goal, you know? 
And how many times you mean Ferber and I joke about this all the time, right? Or our first and goal, even. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's just I, I just think that like what in a you know Ferber's point or excuse me Dave's point about the defense I, that's well taken. I I specifically was saying like my aggression is much more offensive focused, right? Like I feel like everything Rudd is doing, I'm fine with it. Like you know uh, I know that you know there's some stuff they got to work out. Um, at linebacker and, and clearly the back end is guys are still, you know, roles are still defining that sense kind of thing. But like, no, my focus was much more on the offense um, from the aggression standpoint. And I, and I, and I definitely see that, um, you know, yeah. see why Dave made that point. Cause it's, it's, it's extremely true. Like you can't do, but so much like you, who, how are you sending a dude off the edge? Right. You bring in some dude on a cornerback blitz when the guys, you know, the ball gets snapped in two seconds. I mean, that's, you know, part of the reason they do that. Right. Um, but you know, because at the end of the day, like they go fast, but they know the play. Um, all right, let's let's move yeah, real UBA quick. Had five three and outs in that first half. Yeah, that's like, not that's not good. And even, you know, the fumble recovery. Not to keep talking about this game, but the the fumble recovery by Sue. Virginia had a three and out before that, and a three and out after that, yes. and gained yes. negative nine yards. Yes, on so that's when yards. the that's when the line started to really fall apart. It felt yeah. like yeah, Tennessee was like, oh, if we put a speed rusher off the right side of Virginia's line, they can't figure out what to do with yeah. that. Agreed. And yeah, I mean, and you mentioned Eight like the third downs in the game. Yeah, and you mentioned the th- the third downs. They converted five, right? But if you look at yeah. them, and if you have stat broadcast up, you can look at it this way, like sequentially. Or whatever chronologically, yeah. yeah, chronologically, they were like one for ten, and then they converted a bunch late. Yeah, so like it yeah. wasn't like Which they were like, oh, up. they're at thirty three percent. They were more like <laughs> at ten percent, and then at the end they converted some late. You know, when Tennessee had a bunch of backups in, which is nice, yeah. but I mean, like, yeah, it just felt like they they couldn't really get in a rhythm because like first and ten you get two yards, second and eight you you lose five on a sack, like the right. drive's over. Yeah. For, so, so to Ferber's point here, um, UVA had one in the first quarter, a musket to Fields for the 19 yards. Um, that was their first um, kind of third down conversion. They didn't have another one until there were 7.23 to go in the third quarter, right? So it kind of encapsulates sort of just how, you know, and f- like three of the last, th- three of the five came w- in the fourth quarter itself, right, when Calandria's in the game. Um all right, let's real quick on the ugly. I man, I feel so bad for Sue. Like, and 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 listen, I understand people want to make like you know jokes about like he wasn't it, he wasn't trying to like he wasn't doing anything crazy. He was literally coming off the field and he just slipped on the stupid coconut whatever. Um, man, that that whole coconut what is it? Coconut shavings? Coconut what? Coconuts whatever. Nonsense Hopefully like we that. never have to hear about it again. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really done with all things coconut. Um, but no, I just I feel so terrible for that kid to to tear uh, both patella tendons um, like he did. I mean, he stood up and then he just went back down like a sack of potatoes. And I felt so bad for the kid because I mean he was having a hell of a game, not not just because of the play that had just happened, but just in general. I just think he he was clearly um, yeah. And I actually you know, on his I'm, way. I misspoke before. They did have one TFL and one sack because he got it. That's right. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Good catch. And now, but those are the only ones in both categories. Um, all right, let's let's move on to James Madison. Um, the 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 storyline is obviously Musket's health. I think we're we're all pretty um in pretty much in agreement that our expectation is is that he's not going to play Saturday. Um, if we had to set the line for it, Dave, what would you say? What what is he not to play? 
I'm going to say hey, you want a percentage he's not playing. I was <laughs> I know I was thinking like is it, what is he what is he like um let's just say he's like plus 800 oh, to play okay. like what what do we think? Um that's about where plus, I'd have it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I mean that might be low. I mean, I'd probably be plus 1000ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, and listen, we're not trying to like, if you were, if you were secretly hoping that Tony was going to be back, we're not trying to like, uh, harsh your mellow here. Like I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to use another phrase, yuck your yum. I'm just saying that like part of our, part of what we do here is we, we try to, you know, tell you what we're thinking. And that is definitely what I'm thinking. At least I, again, if the kid makes a, uh, you know, dramatic sort of recovery or he feels like he can do it and the, and the staff gives him the green light. Hey, more power to him, and I'll be very happy to be wrong about this. Um, but I just genuinely think that the the, the time frame I heard um, on the two to three weeks, um, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. The first week I think is the toughest, obviously, and then maybe maybe we start talking about next week's a real you know realistic option. Even though even then that that I'm a little bit dubious about that too. But for now, I, I just he has a six day it. rest between these two games, so you know he's losing a day of recovery after this game, that's, if and that's a really good Maryland. point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, but obviously, that's a that's a focal point. If if he's not able to go, and let's just work on the assumption he's not, Calandria becomes the guy. Um, Ferber's point about you know the RPO piece, um, you know, I think is well taken. I'm really curious to see how he handles the whole thing because to this point, all for all intents and purposes, right? Everybody who you talk to about uh, about AC, like they all are very high on the kid. Um, and I'm very curious to see sort of how he handles what is coming his way this week. And it's a very interesting place for a guy to get his first start. If that is indeed the way it goes, um, for, let's go back to you. Um, in terms of this matchup, what, how do I phrase this? I don't, I don't, I don't mean this like super negatively, but what does Calandria need to do in order for this to not be a like train wreck? Um, like what's his bare minimum? Um, because I, I think we're we're all in agreement here that James Madison, while they have a nice program, is not Tennessee, right? So, you know, the chance that UVA is going to get blown off the field, Virginia's going to have to do a lot more helping the other team blow them off the field than they did last week, right? So, what does what does UVA need out of Calandria Saturday if he's the guy uh, in order to to basically put the Who's in a position to win? Is it just simply try to stay out of the way? hand the ball off, play clean. It, do you need him to, to really, um, you know, to make some big down the field throws? Like, how are you feeling about Calandria and what he needs to do if Virginia is going to be successful in this game? Yeah. I mean, I think he'll have to do more than that. Um, you know, just because I don't think I, I would anticipate JMU is going to be focused on stopping the run. Um, you know, they don't have the front that Tennessee has, but if they can kind of stack the box and, make UVA earn every two or three yards at a time, then you're going to have to throw the ball. Um, you know, I, I'm more comfortable with him than probably any true freshman quarterback that UVA has ever trotted out. Um, just because he's played so much football since he got to grounds more than anything, more than anything he's really done in those games or anything. But like, you know, he was basically the backup through the spring played a lot and played pretty much the entire spring game. Um, and then, you know, he's already played the game, you know, this season. So, um, I think as far as like what he needs to do, the first thing he needs to do is master the offense and like get on the same page with the guys that, you know, he's going to be playing with, because to be honest, he probably hasn't gotten a ton of reps with the ones. I know that they 
at one point during camp basically said they were going to give him all the reps with the ones for a day um, just to get him kind of acclimated to those guys a little bit more, which is smart, I think. Um, and, you know, I think he's going to have to, the baseline is, you know, execute the offense, right? Um, a level up from that, I think is be smart. And, you know, I was just saying, be aggressive. My worry is that he might take me and be like, all right, boss, I got you <laughs> and start <laughs> slinging that thing around. Um, you know, his first throw against Tennessee was his worst. Um, you know, he kind of threw it into traffic, um, trying to make a second level throw on the run. And I think that kind of was like, okay, maybe I need to dial it back a notch. Um, and he didn't have like a lot of completions, but I didn't, you know, I went back and watched, I didn't see anything from him that was like, oh man, he looks like completely underwhelmed or like underprepared. Um, he just needs to be smart with the football and, and move the chains, but he's going to have to make plays, you know, and this is kind of what I was talking about before. Like, I don't think JMU's at the level where you can just be like, let's just hand it off to Kobe pace 30 times and like, you know, wait for All JMU to mess right. up. Yeah. Like, cause, and we already talked about how UVA's defense, like they're really good at what they do, but what they do is not super, like we're going to create a bunch of negative plays. Um, so like, unless JMU is making a lot of mistakes, their their plan might be to do what I just said, which is like, let's just kind of keep the chains moving and not risk too much and like see what happens if this freshman quarterback is going to just give us the game, right? So I think he just needs to not do that. And, you know, on top of that, if he plays, obviously, he needs to be really smart with his body <laughs> because, you know, at yeah, this point, UVA yeah, really, really can't. I was talking yeah. about RPOs. Like, they really can't have another quarterback injury um even if it's something for like a, a couple series it could be catastrophic yeah and i think that's a good point i mean real quick like the 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 depth situation is such right now that even if they can't call the offense they would like to call for him i'll get it like i understand it you know like i that makes sense to me dave you're you're our resident um you know source in the now? valley over there um <laughs> give me give me your, your your snapshot of of the dukes um What's uh, what should folks know uh, about JMU going into Saturday afternoon? That you're going to be annoyed by JMU by end of the first quarter. <laughs> Does um, that mean me specifically, or are you saying the, the collective you? No, the, any UVA fan? Because I'm pretty um, sure I've heard that song a lot. Yeah, you know, I'm just yeah. Saying. It, it, it it's it's going to be annoying. Like I mean, honestly, I was thinking about this before the podcast. There, I don't know that there could be a worse opponent other than Virginia Tech for this game. You know, given what happened last year and, uh, well, not the game itself, but, you know, Virginia fans are having their first home game since the the tragedy and honoring honoring the three men we lost. Um, And James Madison has been talking about this game for two years. They were selling 9-9-23 T-shirts last fall. Um, So, like, this game to them is going to feel a lot different than it does for for. For Virginia fans, I am sure that someone's going to say something and get popped in the mouth somewhere in that stadium on on Saturday. Um, hopefully, it's not near me. But look, they've got a good team. They're not, well, you know, they're not an FCS team anymore. Um, I don't think they're. Look, I'm surprised they're favored, um, especially to the point they are. I mean, even enough. And as you guys know, I haven't been very high on Virginia the last couple of years. I thought um, like with if if you were like Tony definitely can't play, I thought JMU would be like minus three at the most. Yeah. I mean, Vegas doesn't lose money on purpose. So the spread is weird. It's down to five and a half most places now. Um, but still, that's a lot. Like there's not many ACC teams who would 
have a five and a half point spread at, at UVA um, in a typical year, right? Or anywhere. So that on says the road. either Vegas <laughs> is like really, really low on this team, much you know, much lower than than I am even. Yeah, and having picked them to go what five and seven, um, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think Virginia can still win this game. I, they looked at a, uh, yeah, JMU last year. They did some things like they're they're were a good first year in the FBS program. It better, probably one of the best ever. But they only beat two or three teams that had a winning record. Um, Middle Tennessee and Coastal were their biggest wins, kind of bookending the season. But and Coastal yeah. was with a backup quarterback. Yeah, Coastal was the backup. Um, Middle Tennessee they beat pretty handily in their first game at yeah in FBS. But look, I mean, I think the big thing for me is it's it's going to be a re- weird. Thing. I mean, I think a lot of Virginia fans are going there to kind of, you know, see the team, but also kind of support the team because um, we haven't had them in, a, in this environment since since the tragedy. Whereas whatever number of JMU fans, and it's not going to be 25,000 for God's sake, um, they really, they can't even, I think 25,000 is this capacity. That's more than stadium. the capacity of their stadium, and they didn't yeah. fill it last week. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there'll be a lot, but it's not going to be like 30,000 JMU fans. Yeah, it's going to be like a Notre Dame or Virginia Tech game, um, 10 to 15 probably. But it's going to be annoying if you're a Virginia fan. They're, they're going to be annoying. They think, you know, I think some JMU's won like 17 straight games against schools from the Commonwealth. Um, I think I read that today. So they're not coming in expecting to lose, and if they win, it's going to be even more annoying. But um, just a, a very – I'm going to have to be in the right place uh, mentally before I enter the stadium on Saturday. That's a me uh, problem, not a you problem. <laughs> well, what we look forward to trying to get you to wherever that mental place is, Dave. Um in uh, in in the big scheme of things, it's an interesting point because I hadn't thought about the piece of the um, you know the nine nine twenty three piece of this. Like, I I know that I mean I know a lot of Jamie, I know a lot of Jamie people, right? Um, there is no doubt in my mind that they are absolutely coming to this game to win this game, and that there's nothing like even if musket was going to play they would still be confident right their fans would come to scott stadium confident um they see i think they kind of see themselves as giant killers like they just kind of do um and they're they're looking to add another uh pelt to to the you know to the group right that being said i from a you know i think jamie has a lot of talent i don't know if it's enough talent to make me think that it's that this is going to be like, you know, Broncos Richmond game all over again, right? Because um, that team was like, for for its level and and certainly out of the gate, like from an experience standpoint and such, like that team was just primed, right? And there's just not a doubt in my mind that UVA took them absolutely um, lightly. Um, they had like an NFL quarterback and yeah, like multiple good receivers. Yeah, they were really good, right? This is different, but I also think that the the kind of situation is so complex, right? Because you've got the there's the emotional piece of this, which I think we should get to here in a second. Um, there's the emotional piece of this. There's the fact that this is probably going to be a huge crowd. There's also the fact that this team just went on the road and got the crap kicked out of them, right? Um, they know where their injury situation is. Maybe you know it's a good thing that Cleaner's getting every snap this week, right? He's getting all the reps with the ones. Um, you know, because I mean, even if even a musket plays, it's not going to be because he was able to like practice all week, right? Um, 
it's just a very interesting kind of stew for a game. And and the, listen, the emotional piece of this, I don't want to gloss over, and, and let's talk about that real quick. UVA is expecting, um, it sounds like, upwards of 50000 um, for this game. And I think a lot of that is fueled, as Dave said, a bit guy, you know, folks coming out to support the guys, coming out to support the team in their first game back since last November's tragedy. Um, they're going to have a pregame, um, pregame ceremony. Folks are encouraged to be in their seats by 1130. Um, if I know UVA fans, many of them won't be. Um, but I hope maybe this is the one time where they, they, they actually make it there in time and, and, and folks can actually take part in what I imagine will be an incredibly emotional, um, few minutes before the start of the game. Um, I know that the the school is going to is planning to do a lot of different things um, over the course of not just this specific game, but obviously over the course of the few days before and things that they'll do not just every game this year, but you know for the foreseeable future. Um, so I'm really I'm really eager to 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 you know kind of take part in in all of that um, as somebody who knew those three kids and um, somebody who you know has been. I don't know, man. I feel like, you know, we, as, as, as UVA fans, the last few, you know, ever since then, it's just been, it's been rough. And as nice as it was to watch them play football last weekend, um, seeing them at home is just different, you know? And I I think that everybody um, should expect it to feel different. Um, And, you know, however, however the game goes in and of itself, that's a whole different matter. But the, the, the emotional piece of this I think is going to be super impactful. And I hope everybody, um, I hope everybody is, uh, is there to, to take part in it. Cause I think it's, it's good for the community. It's good for the group. And it's certainly good for those families and those players. Um, you guys got anything to add on that front before we get to predictions and all that fun stuff? No, not really nailed it. 1130, I guess we're all supposed to be there. So, yeah. so you know, folks are, if, yeah, you, if you haven't made your plan yet, make your plan. Game, um, who knows what they've done to change entry. I know there's some new stuff in the stadium this year, so don't think you can roll up at 1125 and be seat 1130. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that always happens. You know, people, you know, just inevitably every year, they're like, wait, what? Um, so yes, please get to your, get to your seat early. All right. In the preseason, Dave, you had this thing, uh, 41 to 15 UVA. My guess is that you're going to change if not the, the result. No, I can't uh, change this one because that was a that was a tribute pick win one for forty one and fifteen. Oh, okay, um, I'm gonna gotcha. keep it that way. Okay, yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I, I think Virginia wins this game. I do. I mean, I saw enough from Virginia um, defensively to make me think they're gonna make JMU earn a lot. Um, and I, and I think the emotion of the day is you know this offense. Virginia's offense should be able to run the ball against JMU. I don't know if they can run it a lot, but they should run it enough to make their offense more balanced. And we've seen it in most games. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I like Virginia to win the game 41 to 15. Um, All right. Maybe not that high, but <laughs> weird things. Ferber in the preseason, you had a 21 17. Who's what you got now? Hmm. This is a really tough one, honestly. Like, I've had a lot of hemming and hawing about it. I'm going to keep the score, but flip the teams. Um, I think, I think Dave is right. I think the defense, the you know UVA's defense is going to have to, and I think they're capable of it, like coming out and playing like they did, you know, against Syracuse last year, against ODU last year, against a bunch of other teams where they really just kind of, you know, forced 
and maybe not three and outs, but like quick stops and punts and, and didn't really allow a lot. And um, I think what you saw on Saturday is that their recipe, it only, it only goes so far when you play a team like Tennessee, cause they can like, you know, if you play Ben, but don't break, you're hoping that they don't break, but like Tennessee's like, Oh, we'll just break you when we get down there. <laughs> um, and I don't know that a lot of teams are going to do that this year. And I, I think JMU's quarterback situation is really interesting to me. You know, they, they went with a freshman and now they're going to switch to, a veteran guy who has bounced around and hasn't had a ton of success, but you know, obviously if he did, he probably would have started last week, but you know, he's, I think they're trying to sort of have a mature game on Saturday and, and kind of get through it um, and move the chains and do their thing. I think the, the X factor in this game will probably be what UVA gets from the quarterback position and the turnover margin. And, um, if Calandria can play a clean game and the defense does what we think they can and they don't have any other catastrophic errors on special teams or anything like that, I think there's a recipe where UVA wins this game by multiple scores because I don't know that JMU is as good as people might think they are. Um, they're certainly capable of winning this game, though. Um, and I'm going with them mostly because... I feel like, you know, I know what they are to some degree, even though like I don't know exactly where their floor and ceiling is. And I know that they're going to come in with a plan and they've got a lot of older players. Um, and I think they will so sort of try to play a risk averse brand of football for the most part, um, knowing that they can put the pressure on UVA's freshman quarterback, if assuming he plays. Um, and I'm not sure I'm there with this UVA team to just think they're going to be able to just plug in a freshman quarterback and just like hit on all cylinders against a team that's good enough to beat them. Um, I love Calandria. I think, I think he's going to have a, he has a high ceiling, but this is a tough spot um, if he has to go. So if Musket plays, I, I think I would probably, if I knew he was playing for sure, he was healthy. I would probably pick UVA, um, but I'll go JMU close. Interesting. All right, in the preseason, I had it 37-33 Hoos. I'm going to drop the number, but I'm going to keep Virginia winning it. I, I think the emotion piece of this will be, um, I mean, look, the kids have, have dealt with the emotions related to, to that shooting since it happened, right? And they've dealt with them in a variety of different ways. I, I, I watched those kids get up at that memorial service and, and do things that, frankly, like most, guy, most guys that age just can't do, right? Now that obviously was not every single player. Every single player didn't get up and um, you know, sort of talk eloquently and passionately about their fallen teammates and such. But I just think that the, these guys have been through a lot, and the idea of coming home and uh, I, I think that's going to give them some juice, probably enough to get them to to not worry about all the things that they probably should be worried about in terms of playing a team that sort of has a better identity, sort of has a clearer sort of idea of what they want to be. Um, I, I th I'm like Dave. I think Virginia's gonna be able to run the ball here. Um, question is to what degree? So I don't think they're gonna score as many points. But I also think that fatigue is is a big reason why last week Virginia's defense wasn't able to do more. Um, I would not be surprised if the Cavaliers have four or five sacks in this game. Um, you know, I I think this is an opportunity for them to defensively to sort of um, impose themselves a little bit. Um, the quarterback situation in, in, in Harrisonburg, I think, is is extremely interesting in the sense that you got this veteran guy who's bounced around and he wasn't your guy, but now he is your guy. Well, there was a reason he wasn't your guy, and I think it's up to Virginia to prove why he wasn't. Um, and I think if you look at this defense, like they've they've done, 
you know, pretty nice things against much better uh, competition. Um, the question obviously is, is can Calandria kind of carry the, the offense? Can he, can he play clean? Can he keep him on the field on third? I, I think that they're going to be able to do enough. Um, and, and I do like the running game. Uh, I also would not be surprised if some of the special team stuff gets cleaned up just because it was such a, um, a glaring issue last week. And it's certainly something that can, um, you know, can be, um, I think it's one of those things that can be addressed. The question is just to what degree as it personnel shifts, is it, um, you know, more focus in practice and, and that kind of thing, preparation, whatever. So anyway, give me the who's 27, 23, um, to beat James. It's easily one of the weirdest games for me in a long time. Um, because I've got so many, so many people, so many JMU friends who are in my ear constantly. I'm like, oh, this is this is in some ways for me at least worse than like tech fans. It's like, okay, everybody, calm down. Um, so yeah, so uh, we'll be interested to see how it all plays out Saturday afternoon in Scott Stadium. It'll be good to be back. All right, anything else for the good of the order before we wrap up this week? You guys good to go? You all talked out. Yeah, good to go. See okay. you Saturday, boys. Yeah, what time? What time's the tailgate start day? What, what time am I supposed to be there? Seven, probably eight o'clock. Oh, eight o'clock. Look at you. Yeah, it's gonna be a little chilly. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, hey, look, the weather holds up. I'll I'll take chilly for sure, and especially if Ferber's gonna bring those. Like, uh, is he, Ferber, you gonna do the Chick Fil A thing for breakfast? What's up? You you gonna do the thing? <laughs> it's like a it's like a tradition. We trying to get though. a sponsor. Hey, I'll take whatever whatever anybody wants to give me. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look at someone Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that your programs are sold. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating review, we'd appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. We got plenty of game week stuff uh, cooking for you. And then also uh, we like to sprinkle in the, the basketball recruiting stuff too. Houston caught up with uh, the Wilkins kid. UVA, I guess, can we call him a UVA legacy? I guess he technically is. His brother is a coach there. Um, so some interesting stuff ahead of his official visit. So give us a look at CapsCorner.com. I want to thank everybody there for supporting the show. And, of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time, as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.